is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rocket Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is before the box score. Post-Black and Gold Game Edition. Happened on Saturday. Don't know if you watched it. Don't know if you enjoyed it. If you were there, hope you enjoyed it. It was really interesting to watch actual football instead of like that weird scoring hodgepodge thing that they sometimes did during Gary Pinkle and Barry Odom years. Uh, but it was a it was a festive back and forth. It was nice to see the guys back on the field, and uh, now football goes back into hibernation for the next five months while basketball sucks up all the oxygen. BK, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I was happy to see them change up the format. It was an actual spring game this year, uh, which is different compared to what we've seen, as you said, from years past. And honestly, I kind of liked the draft idea as well. So uh, all of it, I thought, made it for a just more enjoyable all around experience as fans. So I'm here for it, man. I, I, I hope they keep something similar, even if they switch it up a little bit in the format. I hope they keep something similar in the future. Yeah. You give give the players some agency on how it goes because it doesn't count anyway. You, they're not evaluating this practice for reps or positions or anything like that. Like you know, obviously Drinkwood said in his press, you're like, hey, we're not we're not figuring out who's going to play in the fall when we do our practices in the spring. So if it doesn't matter and you want to have fun anyway, then yeah, go ahead and do a draft. You know, maybe next year they get the fans involved and the fans do a draft. I don't know. Um, but you know, Drinkwitz is a marketing guy. He knows how to get engagement. He knows how to build the brand and. This was something very cool. Uh, the winners ate steak. The losers ate huh. hot dogs. Uh, seems like everyone won in my book. I like hot dogs. I like steak. I I wouldn't care which side I ended up on, but uh, 
everyone seemed to be having a good time and we got to see some uh, some new players, some new faces and to get some action. So let's talk about the spring game at large. Um, BK kind of reviewing what happened. Um, what were your big takeaways, non-quarterback category? What were your big takeaways from what you saw on Saturday? I mean, I hate to be the the guy that just follows what everybody else has probably already stated about it, but it's the obvious. Like the receivers looked really good. Dominic yeah. Lovett actually looked like himself. JJ yeah. Hester had a couple of nice plays. You saw Towski Dove get a couple of deep threat, uh, deep shots for him. And I mean, let's be honest, the, the headliner, Luther Burden looked awesome. Like, he looked amazing. <laughs> he looked exactly as advertised. And if Mizzou is going to take a step forward this year, that's really going to be the unit that allows for it. Last year, you could see the talent, and I really appreciated Eli Drinkwitz. I don't remember if it was on the broadcast or if it was in a separate interview, but he was asked about Dominic Lovett and, you know, what, what happened with him last year? Why wasn't he able to be the guy that people hoped for? And he said, that was me. I, I tried to make him do too much early on. And he was having him play all over the field. He was in the slot. He was outside. He was running every possible route on the route tree. And I think it was over, it was too much for him. That's what Eli Drinkwitz said. And that's not a shot against Dominic Lovett. That's too much for a lot of guys, especially as true freshmen coming in. They, mm -hmm. they get overwhelmed and uh, they're trying to swim and they're just drowning in information. Um, and so by midseason, you could see some of it started to come together a little bit, but it just never really came together for Lovett. And this year, they're just having him learn one thing and he's getting really good at it and he's doing it really well. So Hopefully that ends up making it go a little smoother for him. Hopefully Mookie Cooper is able to have an actually uh, healthy season. And then you add guys like J.J. Hester having a full year, Bear, Bear Bannister giving the same role that he had a year ago. And then you throw Luther Burden into the mix. And it's like, all right, I can see how this works. It's really talented. There's some guys that I'm really interested in. They've got a lot of yards after catch ability. Let's see what this looks like. And that was on full display on, on the spring game. That was my biggest takeaway. Was there anything else that you had? Really, when you're looking at the black and gold game, you can't help but look at the offense because you are going up against your own team's defense. And so it's a positive and a negative. Hey, the receivers had a great day. Oh, do our defense back sucks? Like you can't help but think that. So when I view this sort of thing, I always think, ah, just focus on the offense for now. We'll figure out how the defense does in the fall. And so, yes, the receivers were impressive. Obviously, Mookie Cooper didn't do much with a negative two receiving yards, uh, but Dominic Lovett was the better of the East St. Louis pairing with 109 yards compared to Luther Burns' 81. Yes, that's, that's tough to avoid. It was interesting with the ground game, though. Luther Burden got some touches on the ground. Dominic Lovett got some touches on the ground. Uh, you know, quarterbacks ran it a little bit, but you had, who was your leading rusher? Cody Schrader. The transfer from Truman State, who led all of college football last year in rushing, got 68 yards and a touchdown. Now, he had a little bit more opportunity than other people like Nathaniel Pete or B.J. Harris, but he still had 68 yards on the ground. Taj Butts, we forgot he was on the team for a little bit, 24 yards and a touchdown. Um, B.J. Harris went for 13. Elijah Young went for 18. Uh, Nathaniel Pete went for 30, got seven yards to the air and a touchdown. So like they were definitely cycling the running backs a lot, trying to get different looks and which is, which is fine. Um, but other than Schrader kind of tearing it up against the back, the backup backups, um, it was really interesting to see that, that, you know, everybody kind of got a chance and it didn't amount to much. And some of that is just, you know, you're kind of playing behind a patchwork offensive line. It's not going to be the ones, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But Everybody looked okay. And 
considering everyone's going to have to kind of replace Tyler Beatty as an aggregate rather than one guy, it was nice to see, you know, all those guys contributing to at least a, to a smaller degree. Uh, but they, they were contributing and I don't know. It looked good, man. It did. Um, they, the, the, the tough thing about this is as we've talked about in the past, they just didn't have any defensive backs available. So when you're trying to evaluate any of this, like good luck, you know, I, and that's just the reality of it is you, you take away the good more so than the bad. You, as a fan, that's what we do, right? Like you look at it and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, the offense looked pretty good. <laughs> that was fun to watch. I enjoyed that. And so if the defense ends up getting into week one and they stink, like, yeah, maybe we look back at that point. And you're like, hey, whew, yep, probably should have seen that one coming after what we saw in the spring game. But there, there's enough talent on that side of the ball at this point that I just kind of write it off and we'll see what it looks like once we get into the fall and they've actually got guys that are healthy in the defensive backfield. But for the here and now, I'm just going to take it for what it's worth. And I felt really good about the receivers. The running game looked really solid. I like the the options that they've got back there. I, I think Pete is going to be a really good player for them, man. He He's everything that you want him to be. And I, I don't know that there's an easy one-for-one comparison for what he is because, my goodness, is he fast. Mm-hmm. Like, his top-end speed is a really high level. And the guy that kind of came to mind for me, honestly, was Marcus Murphy. God, I know people yes. Kept, People made that comp with Beatty. Mm-hmm. I, I never really saw it. I think the comp is really Pete to Marcus Murphy. I think they've got a lot of similarities in terms of their running styles. And the and fact returners that as yeah, well, by I was going to say, very good at returning the ball too. Um, Pete is, you know, school official 5'10", 198. Murphy was school official 5'9", 195. So pretty close there. You there. Go. Um, really, I think it's, how they run as running backs and then their, you know, kind of secondary utility of returning kicks. Um, I was going to say, he looked, he reminded me of Marcus Murphy down to the, you know, eight and the six look very similar in that funky Mizzou mm-hmm. font. And I'm like, Oh, what am I seeing here? Uh, so that's very exciting. Uh, you know, if he can, you know, God, if he can do half of what Tyler Beatty did and everyone else can pick up the slack, you know, that's, that's more than enough. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it is tough. But keep in mind, the defense couldn't blitz and they couldn't switch coverage, right? Like they had to play man, I think, the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, eh, it's going to, you know, it's going to be high scoring anyway. So you get to, you know, all the DBs get to practice their man's man coverage skills, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it's take take the good. Always take the good when you can, right? Because how many times do you get to play yourself? Not well, once a year. Uh, so chalk it up as a win. And, you know, Gary Pinkle always said, I love the spring game because we never lose. And yeah, that, <laughs> there you go. Um, so I'm I'm on board with this. I'm going to take away good things. And yeah, you know, if the defense sucks, we'll figure that out in the fall, right? Like when we when we find out that they're not forcing turnovers and they're not winning the, the practices, you're like, okay, well, they're going to stink again. Well, that that's a, that's a problem for future us. Okay, we don't have to worry about that right now. Right now, we're just basking in the glow that Luther Burden looks awesome and the offense seems to be doing pretty well. Um, now, along those lines, there is a quarterback situation to talk about. Um, there is? There is. I know you might not <laughs> believe it. <laughs> uh, and we, we're not going to talk about offensive line because, again, it's patchwork. You didn't get the ones with the ones and all that stuff. But um, Tyler Macon, Brady Cook, were the two guys, sorry, Tommy Locke, no disrespect. I know you threw a pass. Um, but, but the the Macon and Cook were the two quarterbacks who took most of the snaps. 
Cook ended up 16 for 20 for 191 yards, 18 yards on the ground, three touchdowns and an interception. And then Macon went 16 for 23, 233 yards, 35 yards on the ground, one touchdown, two interceptions, one return for a touchdown by uh, corner turn safety, Dalen Carnell. I want to, I want to say something that might be a little weird. Uh, and I think it's a good thing overall, but as far as the performance went between the two, I didn't see a huge difference as far as outcome. They both had some dumb throws. They both could scoot a little bit when they needed to accuracy was, hmm, it's fine. Um, but I didn't see anything that puts either cook or making above the other one which is good for making because that means that he's developed, but I don't know what that means for the quarterback situation going forward. What did, what did you think of uh, the quarterbacks on Saturday? So I didn't think there was a huge separation. I think at, whatever you felt about those guys going into Saturday is probably how you feel about them today. Sure. Like that's, that's the reality of it, right? Because neither of them did anything that was overwhelmingly great. And neither of them did anything that was like so catastrophically bad that it's going to take you off of your previous position. So I kind of went into it believing that Brady Cook was the number one guy. I leave it feeling like Brady Cook is still the number one guy. And that's that's pretty much it. Um, what I would say is I think the process with Cook seems a little uh, more fluid. Like there were a couple sure. of throws, especially early on, and it changed as the game went on. I think Macon overall had a pretty solid day. Early on, though, there were a couple that were like behind a receiver and they were caught, but it just... Mm-hmm. The, the placement wasn't great. And I think Cook is just a little better with that. I think his accuracy is a little better. It's a little more on point. I think he's just, he looks more polished right now at this point in their respective careers. That could change for making in a couple of years, could change for making next year. But right now, that's kind of how I see them. I didn't think either of them was great, though. I, I thought Cook looked like a more athletic version and maybe slightly better as a thrower from what Basilek used to be. So yeah. that's that's kind of what you got there. And that's pretty much what we expected, right? Like we didn't expect a whole lot more than that. Oh, that's basically what we've been calling him since last year, yeah. a more athletic Connor Basilek. So yeah. Um, and the hope is with more athleticism, you add another hat to the box and that makes it more difficult on defenses. And then you have an upgraded group of receivers and he makes less stupid decisions, boneheaded decisions. And boom, now you've got a pretty solid offense, an offense that functions more regularly. Or a receiving core who can make dumb decisions look good because <laughs> they can cover for you. Also that. Um, yeah. I Again, nothing was decided in this game or in these spring practices. I was kind of hoping to see Cook own it a little bit more. Um, and just because he didn't doesn't mean, you know, I'm writing him off. I was just kind of surprised. Um, but I was, I was glad to see that making, you know, he seemed to have progressed, um, wh- whatever you heard in the past, like, oh, well, you know, why can't he play? You know, he's better than everybody or oh, God, he can't play. They're going to get rid of him. Like, you know, whatever you heard, I thought he did well on Saturday. Yes, it wasn't perfect. Uh, so I was glad to see that progression. Um, but you know, Sam Horn doesn't come in until, you know, this summer when he's done with baseball, he's, having, he's actually doing pretty well. Have you been seeing the. The tweets from Colin Sill Baseball about him, uh, his performance recently. Uh-uh. He's doing really well, man. Um, he's had a couple homers, uh, pretty good on the mound, too. And, and uh, sounds like I, I'm not saying he's going to get drafted by the MLB. Don't freak huh. out. But 
I had heard that he had been injured and like hadn't been playing super great. And so I kind of wrote off the, okay, baseball, whatever, but apparently he's doing really well this, this spring. So uh, kudos to him for that, but he doesn't come until the summer. Um, so, you know, at that point you'll have a, a three quarterback race and then, Oh, by the way, there was another quarterback in the stadium on Saturday. He wasn't suited up, but he was in the stands. Mr. JT Daniels, the former Georgia and USC quarterback, five-star out of California. He is still uh, playing footsie with a bunch of schools. I know West Virginia's in the mix. I think he's heading out there. He was on campus though in Columbia this past Saturday. And uh, yeah, it's he's in the process of looking for a new school. We have talked about how you feel about him, how I feel about him in the past, but it's kind of become more of a legitimate possibility since we had him on campus. So let's revisit it again. BK. If you had the chance to add JT Daniels to your quarterback room at Missouri, do you do it? So I had a chance to go back. And once he actually made it to campus, I was like, all right, I need to go back and look at what JT Daniels was with Georgia, right? What, what, what went well, what's did not go well and why didn't it work there? So I went back and actually looked at it and man, I gotta say, I think he got a little bit of a raw deal while he was at Georgia. And this is nothing new for that coaching staff. You look at what their decisions have been at the quarterback position, and we've mentioned this before, like they go Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. Why? Because Jake Fromm is very easy to predict. You know exactly what it's going to be. Man, get ball. Man, make throw. Man, complete pass. Ball goes down. Like, that's it. That, that's that's what their Stone Age offense typically looks like. And then this year... What they decide to do, they want Stetson Bennett. Why? Because man, get ball, man, make throw, receiver run far, touchdown Georgia. Like, that's it. It's the way their offense operates. And JT Daniels, there's some good and there's some bad, man. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. There's some stuff that's really impressive. He's He's got a pretty darn good arm, but he really trusts that arm. And there are moments where it's like, oh, please don't make that throw. Please don't. Ah, he made the throw. And it ends up getting intercepted and it, it doesn't go well for him at times. And I think that they had just seen enough of it where he wasn't quite predictable enough in their eyes and they have a good enough defense. Half of them are getting drafted in the first round this year <laughs> and a very good running game with multiple solid running backs that could get them enough yardage that they didn't really need their quarterback to win them games. So let's go Stetson Bennett. And that's the way they went. The other thing that went wrong for him while he was at Georgia was just the injuries, man. And this is something that happened to him at USC as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just unfortunate timing. Basically every year for him in some way ended in an injury. And I do think there's some concern about that. Like if you're Mizzou and you're going out there and you're potentially adding him to the room. And if you add him, it might mean you at least have to look at the possibility. You're going to lose Brady Cook and or maybe both Tyler Macon as well. Do you lose both of those guys Add JT Daniels? He gets hurt and now you're down to one starting quarter or one quarterback that's available on your roster. It's not a great situation to be left in. So there are some risks here, but the talent is enough. I think he's probably worth the risk in my mind. He's he would come in and have the best arm in terms of accuracy that Missouri's had at the quarterback position since Blaine Gabbert. Mm -hmm. he his accuracy is at a really high level he doesn't have a cannon of an arm like his his deep ball is hit and miss at times but that short game and with these receivers that should be very good after the catch 
I could see how it works. It makes a lot of sense. And if you've got him for a year and then you go with uh, Sam Horn next year, I could see that working out very well for Mizzou. So I think it's worth the risk. I would go that route. What do you say? Short answer, yes. You had him. Um, he had a, when he was a freshman starter at USC in 2018, he had a 59.5% completion percentage over 363 attempts. Okay. He was so accurate <clears throat> over the next 140 passes that he dragged it up a whole 4%. <laughs> Which, if you're not a numbers guy, that is significant. He took it up from a 59 to a 62% in oh, less than half the uh, half the passes. So he is he has become incredibly accurate. He does take a lot of sacks. That's part of it when you're young. Uh, but even at Georgia, he did that too. Um, but it is undeniable his command of the game, his ability to make the, the easy pass. That's one thing that we always kind of got on Connor Bay's like about like, you can't even make the easy passes. Come on, man. Um, and you know, it's, and it's, it's an experienced five-star player and something that Eli Drinkwitz has been talking about in the spring. I think this is, this is obviously very smart of him. And this goes back to, you know, he's kind of a marketing guy is when he was asked about quarterback competition you know, and adding another one, he's like, look, guys, we're trying to add, we're trying to add guys everywhere, right? We want, we want to bring in more athleticism everywhere. If that's at the quarterback position, great. If it's at the receiver position, great. If it's on the offensive line, great. Like we are going to take guys who are going to make our team better. And that's absolutely the right thing to say, number one, but it's also the right approach. If JT Daniels, if you look at his pedigree and you look at his film and you go, Yes, that makes our team better. You add him. You add him to your team. Yes, it could scare off Tyler and Brady. I understand that. But also, this is college sports. If you are going into this and you are saying, I'm going to prove that I'm the best, and you as a coach have got this under control and say, look, I am adding him not as a starter, but as a competitor. And you three need to figure this out in the summer and in the fall. When Sam gets here, the four of you. I want to play the best, but you're all going to have a shot. Like, yes, that's you manage it correctly. This can work out. I'm not saying nobody transfers, but that's on Bush Hamden. It's on Eli Drinkwitz to manage those egos and those guys. Um, and if G JT says, I want to play for you. Yes, you add that talent. Yes, you do. Um, you know, some people might be asking, well, Nate, why didn't you say that about Jane Daniels? <laughs> well, Jane Daniels was, uh, diminishing talent and some off-field issues too. And to me, the risk didn't, you know, it didn't match with the talent. I didn't think it was going to be worth it. Um, with JT Daniels, you haven't heard anything about that. You haven't heard about, him, you know, a divided locker room or any shenanigans off the field. Uh, he's just kind of an injured kid who's bounced around through two schools and almost, you know, is going to be at three. So whatever it is, I see him as kind of an unknown product because he's had one one full season and then a bunch of injured seasons. I'm like, he could be anything. <laughs> and I will take that risk and add it to this room where we kind of know what Brady Cook's going to be and Tyler Macon's rising. We don't know what Sam Horn is. Add this to the mix. To me, I don't see that it can hurt unless you lose guys to transfer. And if they were going to do that, they were probably going to do it anyway. Um, so I don't know, man. I say take the risk. Do you think I'm crazy? No, I think you're absolutely correct in saying that. Um, I was more intrigued by Jaden Daniels than you were. 
I loved the upside that he brought with his legs. Sure. And that's the one thing that I would be a little disappointed about with this situation is JT Daniels is adding nothing with his legs. Like mm-hmm. He can scramble a little bit, but he's a guy that one similarity that I did see between him and Connor Basilek that gave me a little bit of pause. I'm not going to lie to you. When he was rushed, when he was pressured, he did the thing where he goes on his back leg. He he kind of avoid tries to avoid the pressure as much as possible, and then just kind of throws it away immediately. It, he just he has a glitch in his system where it's like, oh no, pressure, run, <laughs> it, like get away from it as quick as possible. It's the fight or flight response, right? And he's he's always the flight. I I didn't love seeing that, and that was at Georgia where you've got some great offensive linemen, and Mizzou has a pretty good offensive line but it's never going to be at the level of the talent that you're seeing down at georgia so that that did concern me a little bit and the lack of running ability makes me less excited about it compared to a Jaden daniels (laughs) sure but the guy's arm is at a level that i mean we just described what we saw at the spring game and it's a spring game take it for what it's worth but Mm -hmm. brady cook and tyler macon looked fine I, i thought their accuracy was mostly solid you add jt daniels to that mix he was going to look better than either of those two guys he's just a better player right now yeah yeah and for the record uh officially non-sack yards jt daniels has run 22 times for 42 yards <laughs> so i know it's not great uh you know who else had kind of a let's call it a phantom pocket presence or a little glitch in the system playing gabbert <laughs> that guy also had a little bit of a a problem after Indominus Sue broke him in half. Um, I would also probably have an issue with facing down to pressure if a large man like Indominus Sue did that to me. So no, no shame, but we've seen that before. Um, yeah, I think I think you add him. It's an athletic, you know, it, you're just adding athleticism. And I think regardless of what we think, uh, it seems to be kind of the MO that that's what Eli Drinkwitz is going to do. So you know, if JT's offering, I'm assuming Eli's going to take him and, and then they'll figure out the rest afterwards and kind of along those lines, as far as transfers, there is, you know, a transfer kind of situation that we're looking at here. Um, number one, Zaquan Reeves, old Snoop, uh, the redshirt freshman cornerback, uh, he is transferring out and another little transfer related injury related segment here is that Eli Drinkwitz made a point of, of saying that the only injured player from the spring who would not be ready for the fall is last year's starting right tackle, Hiram White. So BK, we're kind of in a situation here. Currently, Missouri's got 86 scholarships. You need to be at 85. They will get there. That's not the problem. What I want to discuss is how do they manage the scholarships going forward? Do they need to take another offensive lineman? And God, we saw the backup defensive backs on Saturday. Snoop is gone. Should we be worried about our corner situation? Um, not not yet. I think you're you're all right with the depth right now. Now, if it if it continues to thin out from here, yeah, may, maybe you do decide to do that. But uh, I think you should be all right at the moment at corner once you get those guys back. And you had a you had a couple safeties that were down as well. Mm-hmm. At tackle, I do think that's a spot, and we've talked all offseason about how we think that they've got pretty good depth there, and depth's great until you have to use it. <laughs> um, and that's, as you're looking at what the lineup would look like on opening day, if Hyron White ends up having to miss a little bit of time, it's probably Zeke Powell that would be starting mm-hmm. at right tackle. Yep. 
Now, Zeke started a couple of years ago, and I remember that was the offseason that he was added super late into the process. I think yeah. it was like July. He showed mm-hmm. up on campus. It was like, hey, they've got this Zeke Powell guy from Coffeyville Community College. And then he went to South Alabama, and now he's at Mizzou. Like, okay, uh, who is this guy, and where does he fit into the roster? And then he was starting at left tackle against Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh boy, this is going to be a problem. And he was fine. Mm-hmm. He was fine. I, I wouldn't say he was good, but he was fine. You didn't really notice him a whole lot. And that's a win for a guy that showed up as late as he did and was producing the way that he did. So credit to him for that. But this is kind of the way I view it. Zeke Powell is a, at the college level, kind of replacement level offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. If he's out there, you should be good. He, he, he'll be fine if he ends up starting. But you'd kind of like to upgrade that spot if possible. And if Hyron White's going to miss a significant amount of time this year, we just don't know the answer to that, but they should know the answer. That's probably an area. That's probably a position that if somebody becomes available that you view it as, as an upgrade, I think you might have to make that move. Uh, that That's the one spot as I look at the roster right now that I would be a little concerned about. I think some might be concerned about tight end. I'm not because they've got a no. horse there. <laughs> That's, right. that's about it though yeah. man i i really don't see many other areas on this roster where i'm like ah yeah definitely need to add an upgrade there if they want to add some depth okay that's fine i get that but i think they're in a pretty good spot right now honestly i agree i agree i mean yeah you don't it doesn't inspire confidence that zeke Powell is starting but i think yeah i think he's fine and you know to you know mitchell walters uh the third year sophomore out of melville he was uh splitting reps with zeke at right tackle too so you got a couple options there. It's just, it's kind of an odd situation because the offensive line has so many guys. There's 18 guys and they all kind of vary in age. It's just, it's way more balanced on the interior. If you look on the outsides for tackles, you either have like a fifth year senior in Javon Foster or a graduate in, in Hiram White, or you have, you know, former walk-on Richard Taylor or freshman Valen Erickson or Mitchell Walters who has, you know, got what two snaps to his name. Um, and then Zeke Powell who kind of rotated in last year. So it's like super proven. And then kind of, there's a lot of options that aren't, that aren't super proven. Obviously Connor Wood can bounce out to play tackle. We have seen him do that before. The question of course is, does Connor Wood playing tackle give you your best five? Mm -hmm. And that's something that you and I have talked about. Obviously it's something that the coaches talk about. So if you see Wood on the outside, then obviously they have some trust in like EJ and Doma Ogar or, uh, you Connor know, Connor Tolleson or, you know, Luke Griffin and Xavier Delgado. Then, you know, they, they feel good about that. If they are hitting the, the, the portal for a tackle, number one, you're not going to get some game breaking tackle. Like That's not the good tackles aren't transferring after spring, but you could probably find an experience piece maybe a, a G5 piece who wants to bounce up or maybe an FCS guy. Um, but you're not going to find someone that you're going to go, Ooh, I feel really good about that. You're going to find someone like, Oh, I've never heard of him. Okay. We'll see how he, how he pans out. Um, so it is kind of interesting to think about as far as another, any other additions, by the way, before we move on, before we move on from the offensive line, um, one other thing to say about that group, one guy that I would keep an eye on and, I don't think he's going to play this year because it's really hard for fresh, true freshman offensive linemen to get out there. Mm. Armand Mimbu looks really good. <laughs> yeah. He's 6'3". Yeah. Three, he's 315 pounds. He's already at the size that would be required to go out there and play today. 
-hmm. Again, I'm not saying this guy's going to play, but would it shock you if he ends up on the two deep at some point this year? Because he's I remember Connor Wood. I remember Connor Wood saying, "Oh, he's got like freshman mistakes with his hands." Now, granted, I don't know what I'm looking at, but sure, I didn't seem to see anything wrong with him on Saturday. So I'm I'm with if he pops up on the two deep, I'd be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." He's somebody that I would watch, and we we can't watch him through fall camp, but just watch where he's at on the two deep because I I would I would be interested to find out where he ends up. And if he's a guy that ends up getting a little bit of playing time, especially in like the blowouts when they're going up against the mm-hmm. directional school, uh, that, mm-hmm. that'd be interesting to watch. I think he might be your future. I thought it would be on the interior. I think it probably still is on the interior, but I think they've been playing him outside a tackle a decent amount so far in camp. So he's got to watch. Yeah. Really? So you mentioned, you know, he's 6'3", 316. That screams to me SEC interior lineman. And there's also Dylan Spencer, who's 6'3", 337, who's also splitting time at tackle. And most of the time you think of offensive tackle, you're thinking like, you know, 6'4", at a bare minimum, 6'5", you know. Um, So shorter tackles, kind of like a shorter swing tackle, that's an interesting prospect um, for this offensive line going forward. Obviously, you can play the spot, you know, if you can... You can shut down a defensive end. It doesn't matter how tall you are. Don't get me wrong, but it was curious to see him on the outside there. So I, I don't know, man. Like again, I am I am incredibly biased because I grew up when I grew up, and I'm like I'm always rooting for the kids who you actually recruited rather than the transfers are bringing someone else in. But truthfully, even trying to take those you know rose-colored nostalgia glasses off. I don't really see a screaming need for an addition here as far as transfer portal additions go. If you want to add a quarterback, fine. If you want to add a tackle, offensive tackle, or or hell, a defensive tackle just to bulk it up even a little bit more, sure, knock yourself out. But I'm kind of like, you got to cut one more scholarship, and I don't really think you need to add anybody else. And obviously, we don't see these guys practicing, even if we did. We don't watch it like a football coach does. So I don't know what the staff is going to do. But if we pull into July or August and we've just lost one additional person in the portal and not added anybody else, literally anybody else, I wouldn't be surprised. I bet you they'll end up adding somebody just because that's the way that things work nowadays. Like if you get to the summer and you didn't add anybody, were you actually recruiting? <laughs> um, and <laughs> I that's just the way that everybody operates, right, wrong or indifferent. That's typically the way that these things go. Um, that being said though, like if they ended up losing a guy or two and they didn't end up accepting somebody else, it is year what three now in, in this system. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't shock anybody that that would make a lot of sense because now you're getting into the roster is Eli Drinkwitz's guys. He recruited mm-hmm. him, them here for a reason. The transfers that have come in are now hopefully coming into their own, or they are actually starting for, uh, this team. So things should be starting to solidify when it comes to the transfers in and out, you're always going to have some of that, but there should be less of it now as you're looking at what the roster makeup is. Yeah. I have not gone back and looked at this yet. I am putting it together for, excuse me, for my piece for this next week, as far as per projecting the tigers, at least in the spring, but I am curious, like what percentage of the roster is Eli Drinkwitz's right now? Um, I'll get those numbers to you eventually, but yeah, given, given transfer portal and just, you know, some of the push outs, um, 
I think I think I feel comfortable in saying it's overwhelmingly his. I just don't know the percentage of that. So I will get that to you eventually. Um, this is a short show, which tends to be kind of a rarity for me and BK. So uh, because you did do a guest spot on Dive Cuts and we got a couple minutes to kill, Dennis Gates, new Missouri basketball coach. Um, BK, yay, nay, or indifferent? So it's interesting. Um, I am a yay now. I was kind of indifferent before. If it's going to work. I don't know how anybody could possibly give you an honest answer and say that they are definitively yes or definitively no on any coaching hire in any support. They're all a crapshoot. Sure. You that you hire the right profile of coach, and then you see if it works. And my biggest takeaway from the hire of Dennis Gates is that the administration clearly believed in who Conzo Martin is, what he was doing for the program, and the kind of leadership that he brought. None of that is what they had an issue with. The problem was the lack of wins and the problem was the recruiting. Mm -hmm. And so when they brought in Dennis Gates, the thing that you heard them making sure that they were putting front and center is this guy is an incredible recruiter. He's going to get really good players. And that's going to be what ultimately defines his tenure here at Missouri. If he ends up making good on that, the way that a lot of people thought at the time that he was hired, Conzo Martin would, he's going to be really good. If he doesn't, if he ends up failing and he can't get the kids to come from St. Louis and he's not able to go into Chicago and keep them in this area and it ends up just more of the same where he's got some athletes, he's got some length, but they don't really have a defined system and you're going to be in the same spot three years from now. But I like the hire. I think he's a really interesting guy. His story is fascinating to me. He graduated from Cal Berkeley in three years, got a graduate degree in four, was a four-year captain at Cal Berkeley. Um, took that team from not being very good to being a legit tournament contender in high school. He took it. He decided to go to a school with two of his best friends, including Quentin, uh, uh, Quentin Richardson, excuse me, uh, who ended up being in the NBA three, him and two of his best friends went to a place called Whitney young, which at the time had never won a Chicago or a Illinois state title. They ended up winning a title there, the first one, and now it's a power in the city of Chicago. So his story is just really interesting nice. to me. And he ended up going and he coached under Leonard Hamilton, was there for a decade. And he said that's his mentor. Leonard Hamilton's a very good recruiter. So I, I'm curious to see how it goes, man. I, I, I They've got me. I, I'm interested. But again, it's just one of those <laughs> things where you just don't know until you find out what they're going to be able to do on the recruiting trail. Because it does become a thing of if you can't get the guys, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am well on record saying I do not care what the Missouri basketball team does. I want them to do well. I just don't care how they do it. And I don't really follow it all that much. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sharing my, my secrets here, but I do know that if you need to succeed in college sports, you need to be a good recruiter. You got to get the players. And I, I didn't know much about basketball. I don't know what, what a pretty offense versus an ugly offense is. Uh, but I can tell you, no matter your scheme, you got to recruit. And I do know that Conzo Martin was not recruiting. He was not doing it. Uh, he could not identify the guys who he could, he could work with, who he could play with. He could not get them on campus in the story. So you had to go flat out wins, losses, whatever you can't recruit. Uh, see ya. 
So the fact that Dennis Gates can recruit, that's awesome for me. That, that, that's obviously you, it's, it's unknown right now. It's, it could be anything. It's the mystery box. So it could be literally anything you want it to be. So right now I'm, I'm choosing to believe that it is going to be good. The other interesting aspect, and I got this from um, Paramazoo's excellent piece on the story of Desiree Reed Francois and Dennis Gates and how they kind of came to each other. But while she was over in the ACC and her team was getting beat by Florida State, she was like, what the heck happened? <laughs> like, how did they get so good so fast? And she was told Dennis Gates started recruiting his ass off and made Florida State legit. And she goes, ah, noted. And however many years later, she is running a, a basketball search. And apparently she's got a pretty good basketball analytical mind, which is awesome to hear. And she knew who her guy was. Now, obviously they say that out in front, blah, 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 got it. But obviously she knew who he was. She knew what his strengths were. He knew, she knew that he was going to be available and she went after him and she got him. And to me, like, that's great. Like the fact that you have your list and you can justify it and you got a story to back it up. I just need the story. <laughs> like until I see the wins and losses on the, on the court, just tell me the story and make me feel good. And that one was a legit story. Like I, I feel good about this hire. I feel good about what he can do. Cleveland state was a mess and he turned them into, you know, title winners, got him in the tournament. Like it's all gravy, man. He can't, he can't do any wrong right now. So I'm feeling good. Uh, time will tell. Cause obviously every hire wins the press conference and the, you know, pie in the sky goals. But, uh, yeah, whatever the style of basketball, don't care. Give me wins. Give me recruiting wins. We know how important that is, Mr. Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, I'll be happy. And I think the fan base will be happy too. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. And I do tend to prefer a specific style. Like if you if you play a really grinded out, slow, slogging pace, don't get me wrong. If you win, I'll buy into it. I'll enjoy it. It'll be what it is. But Oh, buddy, do I prefer a fast-paced style of basketball? Are you a, a fastest forty minutes? Is that your is that your jam? Like there can be an intermediary <laughs> between the two, <laughs> and that's probably somewhere like closer to the fastest forty, but not quite all the way there. Would probably be my preferred style of basketball. But again, if you end up being a guy that plays that stupid Virginia style, where you pack it in, uh, yeah. get fifty possessions a game, like. All right, I'll watch it. I won't enjoy it, but I'll watch it and hopefully you end up being yeah. really good in doing so. Yeah. Well, time will tell what happens with the Missouri basketball team. I hear the system pool is going to be expanded, uh, which will be nice. Um, I know Sam and Matt have talked about the uh, the benches for Tennessee and how many graduate assistants and analysts they have that they bring with them. And obviously, you know, to keep up with that sort of uh, – uh, information and coachability you gotta you gotta pay up some money to do that so we'll see how gates puts together his staff how the recruiting goes and all that but uh for now you still got eli drinkwitz he's recruiting his ass off he's putting together a pretty good team uh we saw it on on saturday and we will not see it again until whew, many, many months from now but uh bk any uh any parting shots? I don't think so, man. That's pretty much it. There's not a whole lot going on in football. It's the honest to God truth. It's sad. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I wish there was more, but the reality is spring kind of came and went. And I guess this is one of those good things. Like there wasn't a whole lot of news. Look, we've seen what the Missouri sports news cycle can do. <laughs> we've seen it in women's basketball. You don't want to be in the news in the spring. So like, Hey, that's it's, it's Appreciate okay it. to be quiet. That's totally, that's totally okay. 
Uh, but yeah, that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And of course, you can follow the Rock and Flagship at Rock and Nation and listen to BK on the radio in St. Louis 101 ESPN. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Yo, yo.